Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we want to talk with you about sequence. Sequence in all things, and specifically sequence when we approach one of our clients and know where we're going to go to reveal the most information about what's going on in their bodies and what we have to do to interface with it. Yeah, because sequence is important because it gives you an order of things, gives you an order, gives you a place to start, gives you a place to work towards, gives you a place to end. So having an idea of what you want to do when you start, and of course, start when you start with the client, everything is about observation first. I mean, right off the bat, you observe behavior. You observe reactions to you or to the environment. Absolutely. And sequence reduces chaos. And I don't know about you, but we could all use a bit less chaos. And stress, which means stress. Which is, exactly, exactly. Or Not that order can't be stressful, but um, and chaos can be exciting and wonderful. And when we are looking for efficiency, it's much better to reduce the chaos that we have the opportunity to reduce. So as Dave said, sequence is observation first and foremost, always. How are you going to know if you affected a change if you didn't notice anything to begin with? And often if we rely on the data provided to us by the human element, it's not necessarily the most Astute. Was that kind? That's kind. Because a lot of times we get very different stories from rider to owner to trainer to groom. And (laughs) the dog is off on the right hind. Well, then why is it limping so much up front? Oh, I didn't notice that. You know, and again, when we observe, we're going to look micro and macro. And for you out there, when you're looking, whether it's at your client, at your own horse or dog, to be able to observe micro movements and then open up your eyes and observe the macro, the totality, observe difference. Most of the time, people will ask for our advice is when something has changed. And by the time they notice something has changed, there may have been a lot of minor alterations. So again, our sequence is observe with all of your senses. Yes. So you can grok all the information that there is coming from that aspect of it. Because before you even put your hands on someone, you'll learn a lot of information. When you walk in, when we walk into a stall with a horse, is that stall, is that, does the horse look comfortable? Can it stand square? without having to fidget around. Does, does it, is it leaning against the wall? We have, one that, we have one that, for some reason, always sits on the water bucket. You know, there's, there's a lot of information that can be gained just from a very quick bit of observation. What weight, you know, where are they offloading one side while they're standing there? Uh, or are they standing, can they stand square? Right, and in the canine aspect of this, I love to watch the animal as it exits the car and for sure as it enters the car. How is it pushing off? Can it? How much interference is there from the human element? I mean, we we say this in, in tendencies. 
I like to know from the story and then from our own observations, what is the tendency of your animal under normal circumstances? And how is today different? And then, again, having this sequence lets us observe before and observe again after with a goal. What are we trying to restore? You know, I mean, if you have a three-legged animal, you're not going to restore the same musculoskeletal balance that it had when it may have been four-legged. There is a different goal involved with what you're doing. So your sequence is your sequence. Uh, how many times do people ask us, well, what do you do first? I, we get that question a lot. And often in both, um, you know, our, our hands-on technique and our um, questioning, we'll start and say, tell us first about the legs, then tell us about the back, then tell us about the neck, in, even in getting information so that we make sure for you practitioners out there, have a sequence of asking for information so that you make sure you get all of your bases covered. And then as you put your hands on, we'll tell people when it's an equine, we always start at the feet. Always is never true. Never. No. <laughs> Always, mostly, sometimes. So our sequence is begin at the coffin joints, listen to the body. Our sequences then move up to the carpus and then move up to the elbow and then the shoulder and evaluate left versus right. While the other person is observing, how does that horse shift its weight? How does it respond? What are the ears doing? Is there any paniculus happening just from the leg palpation in through the rest of the body? And that will be a beginning, and we use our information gathering system so that I know if I'm watching Dave and he knows if he's watching me where we're going next so they can be ready to observe and add that into the comments. With a dog, it's not that way because dogs are less comfortable having their legs touched and often hate having their legs touched, perhaps associating with it, nail clipping or IV if they've had that or whatever. So it, other than horses who will typically have a non-invasive hoof picking out, things like that, ritual where they're comfortable, we go to the spot on a dog that it's most likely to be comfortable after, in both cases, having them sniff our hands and introducing ourselves, because in sequencing, before we put hands on anything, I don't care if it's the umpteenth time I've seen that creature, I will have them sniff my hands. And then, in a dog, I will pet them because that's what they're used to. That's the greeting, and that's what I want to see. Are they flinching away from that, moving towards it? For those dog owners out there, you know when a dog's pelvis is out, it will walk right up to you, stick its butt right under your hands and go, please address this first. Then I will be respectful and say, okay, fine, I'll start there since you asked so nicely. Yeah. And in, in that observation, three things that I like to look for, eyes, ears, breathing. Hmm. Eyes, ears, and breathing. Because those three things tell you a lot. 
really loud. I had a horse the other day that was breathing. I noticed when I walked in, it was breathing really, really shallow to start off. And then you could see the nervousness in its eyes. You could see that little bit of white around its eyes. And this is a horse that I've been working with for a long time and I had never had an issue with it. And then as soon as I raised my hand up just to touch it, it shot to the back of the stall. Of course, I had to contact the owner and find out why there was a behavior change. And then, of course, I found out that the horse ended up was having injections done every two days and somebody was just walking in the stall sticking it with a needle so it's got highly suspicious of anyone coming into the stall or being in front of the stall so again there's always the observation in your sequencing first and i said always even though you know i don't believe in absolutes I cannot in the moment think of an exception to observing first. Uh, many exceptions to, <laughs> exceptions is the word I'm looking for, to what you do next based on the circumstances, based on if I have a horse or a dog that's blind in one eye, I'm gonna start on the side it can see me first so that there's maximizing their comfort level. So as you're establishing your sequence, let's, let's go back to the horse for a minute. We've done right leg versus left leg. We go down to the hind end, go again, coffin joint, fetlock. Here we're going to go up to the stifle, the hock, the stifle, and the hip. And noticing where is this compensation taking place, if any. Can it sh shift its weight over to the opposite side? Can it bring its weight over to the contralateral opposite front. These are things that ought to be possible and we need to note, is it possible while we're also feeling the range of motion in that animal? Our typical sequence is to next go to the cervical spine, observe are the eyes level, is the occiput level, is the jaw comfortable or demonstrating signs of pain or stress. Then to the range of motion, left versus right, flexibility at the pole, where are the compensations, and will it back up and try to avoid it? You know, there's so many things if you have a plan and you note, did I see this, did I see that, what's happening here? And making sure that whoever is with you, if you don't have a partner, then if you can create your handler as being engaged in a partner, not only is it going to help in the moment, but it's going to help that animal with its homework. Yeah. And having that partner with you really has helped benefited us because like Wendy had said, it's macro micro. One can see the small end, one can see the small end. If I'm picking a leg up and all I can really focus on is that leg and making sure that I'm safe, the horse is safe. I don't necessarily see all of the horse. So that extra person there can really help out. It's very, it's vital to our evaluation of what we're doing because we want to do a lot of comparisons. Left side, right side, forward, back. Does the, does the animal have difficulty shifting its weight back? Does it have difficult shifting weights forward? Does it have a difficult shifting left, shifting right, depending on which leg you pick up? Are they unstable picking a leg up? Uh, do they hold their breath? Do their ears flatten out? Do they try to get away from you? Do they resist you? Do they help you? Do they fall into you? There are so many variables. And make a chest, 
a, 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 a checklist, you know, have that with you so that you can be reminded of, wow, I forgot. I can't tell you how many times, you know, there's, there's our checklist brings our attention to a place that we may have glossed over. And then all of a sudden you feel, wow, those ribs really are sucked in. And the second you address it hands-on with whatever your technique is, in our case, we're going to adjust it and then do fascial work. All of a sudden we, we will say we've turned our jumpers into hunters because as they are able to exhale and breathe and inhale and expand, it looks like they've gained 50 pounds. And that's worth noting. You don't know that they were holding their breath until they stop and you see this transformation. And then the next time you know, I'm going to look and notice what's that respiration looking like, feeling like, sounding like. You know, when I said all five uh, senses, I'm talking about sight and I'm talking about smell and I'm talking about touch and I am absolutely not talking about taste because I'm not going there. But use what you've got. Use your senses and trust them in your observations. Yeah. And I, I guess that's one thing you're always observing. Even though you start observing, you're always observing the whole time. Absolutely. So that's whether you go from observation to evaluation, evaluation obviously has to involve observation because you can't just evaluate without seeing the whole, the whole picture. So we, ev we evaluate, and when we get done the evaluation, then you do what you do. You treat. Right? Exactly. And that's part of your sequence. I am, I've gathered my data for what I'm about to do. Are you going to adjust? Are you going to massage? Are you going to do acupuncture? What are you going to do? And then did it get you the results you wanted? Do you have more tools? We will often use chiropractic as our go-to. And then if that doesn't resolve what our goal was in this interaction, then we will bring out our uh, additional tools and use PEMF or light therapy or laser or taping or, or, or whatever you've got, how do you sequence that in? How do you judge? Do you know going in what it would take for you to do more? You know, it, it's so fascinating to me when I'll have a dog that is literally knuckling under behind and unable to walk and you adjust and it's better. And you go, wow, I've got, now I've got some reaction. Now I've actually got um, a, a response to my palpation, whereas before it was wet noodle or, or stick, you know, um, either, either spastic or flaccid paralysis. And then I'll go, well, I wonder if I just add a little bit more input. I wonder if I add a little PEMF, Revitavet, or both, taping, does that taping input immediately more information to the brain or not? As Dave just said, keeping observing. And if it works, continue. And if it doesn't get you what you want, just do something else or refer it out. You know, you are a better practitioner when you know when you've hit your limit of care and know who else can 
put in their two cents. That's part of the sequence. Yeah. And, you know, and part of the sequence too is your recommendations to the client. You know, going over the, doing a small report of findings to the client and then giving recommendations. What kind of follow-up care does that horse need? Not just by you, but by any other practitioner. Maybe that you've found the teeth were bad and you need to have the dentist come in. Every day. Every day. <laughs> These are things that are important to qualify. And you, people talk about wanting to build their practice. These are the things that people are looking for that they don't care about. Is This is what a good sequence of organization will build your practice for you oh absolutely you know if if you do not have community in your healthcare practice then you're short suiting your your um clients and patients you know i love that people know us well enough to know that we go feet and teeth first those are things that are going to affect the quality and the longevity of the care we give. Do that first. Part of my sequence is to look outside my expertise. If I'm palpating and something is hot and tender, stop, call the vet, address the acute before we deal with any of the biomechanics. Part of our sequence. So develop yours and then be flexible. Because as I said, I am absolutely going to start with the feet, except I walk up to an animal and my eyes are drawn to the pelvis. So I'll touch it first because I trust that I'm drawn there for a reason. And I'll get to everything because after 40 years, the sequence is pretty well embedded in my neurology. Um, And there is no harm in writing it down and walking in with your sheet and checking off your checklist. And as Dave said, the recommendations, you know, you don't want to wing it every time someone says, well, what should we do next? Uh, Okay. Have your comfortable toolbox of suggestions there so that you're ready to answer those questions and do not be afraid to say, I don't know. I don't know. Let me think. Let me get back to you later. Yeah. And we like to give things for the client to do in the meantime, because that keeps them involved in the, in the animal's care. Oh, absolutely. And it's the way it works. You know, if, if you've just improved mobility, whether it's on a horse or a dog, and that animal is going to stay in a cage for the next millennia, It's not going to get you the results that you want. So have a plan, whether it's walking them or using resistance bands or using a step to stand on or or whatever is within your knowledge or your ability to find someone else who knows. It's very important that the people that you work with are engaged in the process of healing so that the animal under your care gets the best possible results with the longest lasting results. Get your own sequence worked out, make it a pattern, use it consistently as long as it works. If it doesn't work, change it. That's the beautiful thing about our world. If it doesn't work for you right away, change it, tweak it, make it right, make it yours, make it efficient, Make it flow well, and it will take stress out of your life. 
it will increase your client base, and it will increase your efficiency. So sequence is the antidote to chaos. We wish you a joyful and wonderful week. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. This is Dr. Dave Lindquist. And this has been an Equiline podcast.